Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dennis and Friends podcast, a place where my friends and I talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us, what's going on in life and around the world, and a real-life report of what happened at the Final Four, a behind-the-scenes look at what happened at the Final Four, coming from our guest today. I'm Dennis. I host this show. This is episode 81. Shout out all the wide receivers that wear 81. You can put whoever whoever name you want in that in that blank but welcome to this episode jake is back with me we're recording on good friday and going to talk some ncaa tournament again and some first week baseball stuff so jake how are you doing on this uh good friday dennis even though it is good friday i'm having a great friday uh also shout out to seahawks legend terrell owens for uh number 81 notoriously i know that you know him from that franchise uh but yes uh the madness is over um it was a legendary event and i cannot wait to recap it with all of you yeah this is going to be super fun because jake as you guys have uh been following if you haven't been following jake went to the men's final four in houston last weekend and so we will have a, a very lengthy report about how things went on saturday um, and so we'll talk about the last three men's games. We'll talk about the women's game and talk about hopefully everything not involving the drama that you guys are, are kind of aware of. Um, and then we'll talk some, like I said, some baseball. I will say though, it's been, it's been hard the last like, and I should have mentioned this before we recorded. I should have gave you like a warning that I wanted to bring this up, but yesterday was it was a pretty frustrating day um, just to not talk about sports for a second, to kind of talk about uh, probably some more important things. Um, th- this country, man, is it's an exhausting place, right? Like there are a lot of things about this country that are just wrong and need to get fixed, and God knows if they'll ever get fixed. And I don't know, I just felt like it was worth bringing up and worth discussing super quickly what happened yesterday in Tennessee um, with the, with the lawmakers that got expelled um, because they're black and they didn't expel the, the white woman lawmaker. I just, I just don't understand what is happening. Um, and it's exhausting to hear these stories and to read up about it. And it happens so often and in this scenario it's because those two guys cared about the lives of children like jake i know you do because you work with kids every single day i work with kids pretty much every single day and so that really really got me yesterday to be honest with you i don't know if you wanted to add on to that but i wanted to lead with that because i do want to acknowledge that that is a thing and that you know, like we, we do need to try to do things better here and whatever way that we can. But anyway, I just, I just, I don't know. I needed to get that out because that's been bubbling in my brain since I saw it on yesterday. And yeah, I'm just, I think it's the responsible thing to acknowledge it. And I think that there is enough conversation within the ether uh, in these last couple of days. And there's uh, certainly not um, not enough time for me to express uh, my complete thoughts in terms of that situation. So all I'll say to everyone is just um, love everyone always, educate yourself, and read as much as you can, and listen, 
be empathetic and your voice is powerful. Yep. That, that's a good way to, to sum it up. Um, don't, and I guess another way to put it is like, don't be petty, you know, like just don't be, just don't have your own agenda. Like be the one thing that you like hang on to, you know, and make your whole decision making and your whole life around, because that's what, that's what a lot of this stems from. It's just like people just are so, you know, Open-mindedness and being able to listen and change your mindset is a very important quality to have uh, on the largest stages, like what was going on yesterday, and in the minor stages as well. It's just uh, empathy is a virtue. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, just wanted to to bring that up because... now back to the silly things like the the college kids that I encountered. Right, right, right. Back to the, uh, the, the fun stuff that we like to talk about on here. Jake, this is going to be your show for the next however long you want to talk about Saturday. Um, give us the the full uh, report on your experience watching the games, being in the stands, the people you encounter, the fan bases, the you know all the all the hoopla, everything, everything. Just tell me everything about Saturday. Uh, first of all, I will say that if if you have not been to a Final Four event, whether it be the championship or the semifinals in person, it is a must see event no matter uh who is playing in it because you get the experience of uh so there are there's a crowd of people that have purchased their tickets in december and january because they're believing this is the year uh march may be crazy but we are feeling very confident um and so they buy their tickets very very far ahead in advance and they get there and their school has been eliminated by like fairly dickinson or uh, just a mid-major that they have never heard of, and then they can't sell their tickets. So I saw a lot of very depressed uh, Dukies and people in Purdue shirts, and so that is one crowd. Then another crowd that you encounter are people that will wear their merchandise from like the Final Four from like 1995, and they're like, I have never missed the Final Four um, in the past two decades or three decades, and those people are just historians and just... Uh, true tape grinders that just love college basketball and those people are historic. And then, so you have those two people and then you encounter four different vastly wide ranging college campuses of just, uh, students and fan bases that while they are so different, they are all united in that they could not be more excited to be there in every single way possible. Like the, the coolest aspect of being there was, um, that everyone kind of thought that oh, this Final Four is kind of a down year. Like you have uh, San Diego State and, uh, and Florida Atlantic uh, and just a tournament full of upsets and um, people thought they wouldn't show out. And it was the most electric environment that I have ever encountered in person. Um, and every school represented there is basically a cartoon character. A cartoon character, yeah. that's That's a good way to put it. Especially, I think that's pretty accurate considering the the three first timers, like first time schools. I think that's a that's a great way to put it. Um, especially that mid major matchup, the San Diego State FAU matchup. Oh uh, yeah. So, so uh, I'll just break down each cartoon character for for the listeners. So uh, whenever upon arriving, you get there, and I would probably say it was about sixty five percent San Diego State uh, in terms of. Uh, the the energy of the building and just the turnout because 
I, I walked in and I saw a man wearing a shirt that said 2020 revenge tour because that was the year that they, they were 30 and two, they were hanging the banners and then the tournament got canceled. And I was like, okay, these people are dead focused. And the, the style of play that they have too, which was just grinded out in every single basket felt like work. They are so invested into their team and every single bucket going absolutely crazy that they were probably the most invested people there. And they were so genuine uh, and just California cool. Um, whereas uh, the Florida Atlantic crowd, it was basically a lot of, let's call them uh, seasoned tans and very, very high inseam khaki shorts. Uh, and then uh, for the college football fans that have seen the Miami fans in the stands, they're aware that they are uh, what, I, what I like to call the Nike receiver glove school, uh, where like there's just a bunch of just really, really um, – flavorful people that wear all like the the neon merch and they have the nike receiver gloves and like or they like dress up as like stormtroopers and 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 wear the just massive flashy turnover chains uh before losing to florida state 14 to 10 uh, but uh that 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 was the miami crowd so you have those two flavors you have the san diego state fans and then yukon they treated it entirely like a business trip like it was uh I don't know if those those people out there know the story of Larry Bird before the three-point contest in the All-Star game where he just shows up in the locker room and just says, all right, who's coming in second? That was the whole vibe of the UConn crowd, and it was so cool. They were just, we're here on a business trip, and just based off of the energy that they carried themselves with, you knew they were going to blow out every single team. Can I ask you this? Did you encounter anybody walking around at the stadium or even just like seeing them from like a kind of distance. Cause you know, NRG stadium is rather large. Did you encounter anybody famous or recognizable by chance? Or were you not in a place to really be around much of that pool? See, the thing about it is that they, they probably are not famous to uh, the general population, um, but to the campuses, yes, they were famous. Like there was, there was some, some guy for Florida Atlantic that was, uh, owl man. And I, I got to have a picture taken with owl man. And, uh, there was like a line of people that just wanted to hang out with owl man. And that's the final four. We, we are, I know that sports is just a way for the entire world to interact with one another, but, uh, the world of college basketball is so niche. And there's that incredibly just distinct crowd that uh, n- no one else would appreciate interacting with Owlman, but but someone that was on the scene. Um, but I, I did see a lot of social media interaction with, with people that were famous. But uh, yeah, I don't know. If it it, it might have just been the year where, like uh, last year, we're all, when all the Blue Bloods were, were there, there were much more people that did not care about college basketball in attendance. Uh, but yeah, this year was, you're here for the hoops. So tell me, one, did you go with anybody? Two, what was like the experience like outside the stadium? Like, were they doing anything like like a fan zone or something? I, I've never been, so I have no idea how these things work. There is always a, a tailgate um, in in the parking lot with a ton of concerts, and it was right next to the Astrodome. 
uh, where there's a giant Ferris wheel. And so there's lots of festivities beforehand if you'd like to do that. Of course, Houston traffic doesn't really help if you want to interact that at all. Um, so uh, no, I didn't. I didn't go with anyone. I just I went straight straight for the basketball. Uh, but a lot of the other college uh, basketball content that I consume had a lot of uh, like wash parties beforehand and get-togethers uh, and some of the the Houston scene. So uh, I got to hang out with uh, with a lot of other hoops fans at those locations that's cool that's really cool anything else worth sharing about just the experience before we kind of dive into the games i would just say that the the traditions that you pick up upon uh, that you pick up on whenever you're there um are just so crazy and it's so cool um and in terms of being there and learning like I, i had no idea that san diego state like they have they have a um, they're really into this like muse song <laughs> and about vi- being victorious. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, and then uh, overall the experience, I know that they said that the ratings were, were, were not great this year. And I know that the, the championship not being a very entertaining matchup probably had a lot to do with that. And that uh, first of all, the eight twenty central time start, terrible we need to fix Brutal. it we need an afternoon starts so the more people will watch uh or just put it on uh, put it on the weekend you cowards um but yeah that it was it was so much fun and it was it was even though it might have not seemed as exciting from the television uh it was just incredible okay that's cool man i'm, I'm glad you got to go hopefully one of these days i'll i'll end up finding myself in there at some point um hopefully not before 2030 or hopefully before 2030 when the when that is here again. Um, but we'll see. Where is the uh, Final Four next year? I have no idea. Phoenix next year, if you want oh, to. Oh, back in Phoenix. Okay, and then I'm sure the next year we'll Indian be back Golf in Indianapolis course. because they love going to Indianapolis every two or three years, it feels like. Stop putting the Final Four in football stadiums. It was It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I know some stadiums, it like works better than others, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Anyways, let's talk about the games, the festivities. Um, let's just talk about UConn's game first because there's more to talk about with the FAU-San Diego State game for obvious reasons. I didn't really watch much of it, and part of it was because I was busy, but part of it was also because I kind of know how this game is going to go, and that's I was proven right. Tell me about Tell me about that from however far up you were in the stands. Miami's calling card was their guard play. Uh, shout out John Rothstein, but he 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 comes up with a slogan for every single team, and the slogan for Miami this year was more guards than Shawshank because they got Nigel Pack and they had Isaiah Wong, uh, and uh, and Jordan Miller who's a lengthy lengthy guard that can shoot as well, and they they just could not get any momentum at all uh, the whole the whole game. It, I, Pack was off. Uh, just for for shoe related reasons, which was very very ironic considering Miami's entire uh, like reason behind bringing the team back and, and rallying together was through NIL money. Uh, so they were the bag droppers at the tournament, and then uh, Nigel Pack suddenly can't afford a second pair of shoes. Uh, and but yeah, no, it was just complete dominance all all, all throughout uh, from from UConn. Like once I used their big man Sonogo, which is is uh, not exactly the NBA unicorn. Uh, Whenever he was knocking down threes in the very beginning, uh, you you knew that it was it was just UConn's game. Uh, there was there was not much to it. There, uh, it was kind of deflating uh, from uh, the 
360 angle of the arena because all the energy was on one side, which is the Yukon side only. Uh, but yeah, the, there's, there really was not much to it other than just, uh, they had no answer in the paint, uh, being a, a guard based team and Yukon just, has answers and 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 both sides that can beat you both ways yeah yeah i I don't feel like i want to add anything to that because i think you hit the nail on the head especially with the sonoga bit once once he's hitting shots it's like "Mm, that's kind of deflating you know because you know where you're gonna get when he's down in the post but when he's on the perimeter like cashing threes it's like uh, okay I, i don't know how you can stop this team so anyway yeah that it was definitely the the snoozer of the two games the other game on Saturday, which was so much better, much more fun, much more exciting, was that FAU um, San Diego State game, which I uh, watched in the tar- uh, parking lot of Target. <laughs> so that tells you where, whatever it what, takes for March. Right, right. That tells you what we were doing last Saturday um, as a family, which is fine, totally fine. Um, but yeah, tell me what you thought about that game and and all the all the chaos, especially that second half with how things shifted and shifted quickly and you know, the, the lack of offense from FAU towards the end. Look, um, I will be honest with you, FAU, they were the better team, uh, just straight up. And sometimes in, in March, the best team does not always win. Uh, so at the very beginning, whenever, uh, S- San Diego state, whenever you're watching them, the only form of offense they have at all is Matt Bradley. Uh, Matt Bradley, it felt like he, he knew that the entire weight was on his shoulders in order to score. Uh, and so at the very beginning, they were going back and forth and trading threes. And you're like, wow, San Diego State's uh, defined the odds and they're they're getting some baskets rolling here. And it was very electric from that first half because you thought it was going to be uh, just kind of a, a grinded out boxing match. And instead, uh, they were going toe-to-toe. Uh, but whenever you play in that fashion, FAU does it better because they have a ton of uh, just junkyard dogs that – that thrive on just driving to the paint, getting the free throw line and getting fouled if they don't make the layup or kicking it out and making a three. Whereas San Diego state, every single basket they make is just a mid range pull up J or having to drive to the basket and grind it out after a long drawn out possession. And so, uh, because of that style of play, uh, at the very end, they won entirely off of offensive rebounding and just mistakes made by FAU. And whenever they were down 14 points, you're thinking there's no possible way for them to come back into the game unless uh, they're capitalizing on opportunities. And, man, they did it. Uh, Like every single missed free throw from San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, like they just – they could not grab an offensive board. I think there were six possessions in a row where there was a missed free throw that FAU could have put it away. And San Diego State got grabbed the board and went back up with it, and that's how they clawed their way back. And and San Diego State is similar to the the pack line defense Virginia uh, eras, where if they're just down at the very beginning, like there's there's no possible chance for them to to come back into it. And uh, but they broke my brain this year. Yeah, I mean it was a brutal, brutal offensive watch in the second half, right? Like because of how you just said how San Diego state plays offense and FAU not being able to create much offense. It it was pretty rough seeing Elijah Martin and John L Davis and the rest of the, the owls not really getting what they wanted and really struggling to get to the rim and really struggling to get shots up in general and just late possessions. Like 
going down to like one or two seconds left on the shot clock and all that. I mean, the buzzer beater, let's be real. It was really cool. It was really, really cool. Um, did not expect it considering, and correct me if I'm wrong, but San Diego State had their more defensive lineup in, right? Like, they didn't oh, have... Oh, no, it, it totally felt like a mistake. Like, yeah. uh, first of all, Lamont Butler, whenever he was driving, I think that he, he wanted to get to the basket and draw that foul. Like, there was, there was no possible way. He just looked up and saw that there was no time left. He was like, well, I shoot or shoot. And then, yeah, the, like, as you said, the only uh, really two offensive threats that they have that, that have been consistent this tournament were on the bench the whole time because San Diego State kind of operates in, like, a, pl- a platoon-style substitute uh, uh, rotation uh, from from their coach and yeah he had that rebounding lineup out there for the free throw and so the, he didn't call timeout either he just said run with it Lamont and uh, I'll be darned he made the shot and barely stayed out of bounds like oh oh yeah very very close I mean I, I'm sure you couldn't really tell in the moment how close it was but um watching the replay and being like oh crap if he's an inch over like they don't win that game you know what I mean um, also, kudos to him for making that in the Luka once, um, which, as we know, now that the Luka 2s have come out, are the much better shoe because the Luka 2s are eh, not great. But that's a whole nother podcast episode. Anywho, um, yeah, I definitely agree with you about FAU. I definitely thought they were the better team, um, especially that first half, man. They they were just really, really shooting the ball Good well and getting it. all that they wanted and all that. But And then it all went away the second half. Um so it is what it is, man. I definitely I definitely think and tell me what you think about this. If FAU wins that game, the the national championship is slightly better, right? Stylistically, yes. Yeah. Uh because I think that they would at least have tried to run a little bit with UConn. Um uh, and the tone of the chain the game would have been entirely different than uh than the one that we saw on, on Monday, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Not to say that they would have won because, it, I mean, it was clear that UConn was a much better team no. of the four, you know. And we're about to talk about them and give them all their flowers here in, in like 30 seconds. But yeah, like it definitely would have been a much more like watchable, I felt like, game. Because, man, let's just kind of transition now into Monday night. There was a lot of stretches where San Diego State just, ugh. especially after they had the that run at the beginning of the game, right? And then they like couldn't make a basket to save their lives, like towards the end of the first half. Kind of brutal, kind of brutal. I mean, they they made it a game towards the end, but like they never really got within like true, true striking distance. You know, look, we knew that the game was going to be determined within the first fifteen minutes based on the style of play that San Diego State played with, uh, and yeah, they. They hung tough, and then the the moment, based on their grinded out, controlled the tone style of play, uh, went away and was outmatched by UConn, and UConn had control. Uh, it it was lost, <laughs> just straight up. There's there's nothing that they can do if they if San Diego State is not controlling the the tone of the game, and they just got outmatched and and couldn't do anything from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Um... Obviously, besides Sonogo, who was a standout, I mean, he won most most valuable player, most outstanding player, whatever it's called, most outstanding player. That's oh, what, well, 
Well, in in the championship game, it was Tristan Newton just based off yes, of, yeah, off of his scoring and, and and free throws and able to rebound as a, as a guard. But through throughout the tournament, the the difference uh, is is Jordan Hawkins, like because yeah. uh, the 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 depth for UConn is is not that they have two of the uh, most dominant. WWE wrestlers in the paint and Sonogo and Klingon, like you, you just permanently have to try and and guard a grizzly bear for for forty minutes. Uh, the the difference is that Hawkins is a knockdown shooter that that is a leader and can control the ball, and he uh, he played well in the championship too, sixteen points. Uh, and yeah, no, I I think that uh, even though he did get off to some slow starts within the tournament, having him there as that depth for uh, to make them be able to change that style should they have played um, a team that, that outmatched the, the seven footer um, him being elite at that level uh, and allowing them to play and, and uh, just a Swiss army knife level of ways was what was the difference there, especially since Andre Jackson had a rough tournament or rough championship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just answered my question. I was literally going to ask you, I mean, what were, who were the standouts on, on UConn throughout, not just, Monday or the final four, but throughout the whole tournament. And you just did it without me really even asking. So, uh, thank you for doing that. Yeah. I, I really like Jordan Hawkins. He's probably, I, Sonoga's probably my favorite player on that team. And Jordan Hawkins is like a really close second. Um, he's, he's got some NBA potential, right? Or am Sonogo I, or am will I, likely run it back next year. Yeah. Sonogo. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm saying Hawkins specifically. Hawk- Hawkins will definitely put his name into the draft yeah. for sure, based off of how much his uh, his stock has risen throughout the tournament. Uh, and I, I love the new eligibility rule where if even if uh, you do throw out your name in there and, and hear rumblings, you're able to come back. Uh, but I do think that just there are um, even though that uh, prospect evaluation is just an entirely like just different brain. Uh, whenever you're following sports, there are still some some John Gruden's out there that will just watch the championship game and be like, "That's my guy," uh, and so uh, he will definitely get uh, get some juice off of that. Same for uh, I believe Donovan uh, Donovan Klingon got some some sort of tweet from uh, from an ESPN draft analyst, uh, and I I do not know if if um, a big man for off of UConn's bench is going to. Uh, be a, a lottery pick but it would be awesome to see someone at least take a flyer on him yeah yeah and if anything else he'll end up you know probably on some two-way or making a g-league team and and stuff like that you know um speaking of of twitter um this is totally random but when you mentioned a tweet it just made me think of the minor leaguer i don't know if you saw this but the minor leaguer who tatis hit a home run in his like rehab assignment or whatever it is. Um, and somebody, some outlet had framed it as, Oh, this pitcher will be able to like talk about this for the rest of his life. And I think he responded with like steroid user hits home run off of me on rehab assignment while being suspended. Yeah. He was like, take a walk steroid boy or 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 something. Yeah. 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 Which I I thought was hilarious. I don't know why I just thought of that, but I saw that yesterday. I was like, that's kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good way to, you know, summarize UConn's guys and their prospects at the next level. And they've got a lot of good, good things going for them, like individually and obviously collectively as a team. 
Um, oh, Dan Hurley is the man. Uh, like, yeah. I, I know that people are going to say that they had an easy path to the tournament despite them being in what was deemed the group of death. The first round they played against was Iona, and everyone was saying this is this is the grudge match for Patino for the Big East. Destroyed Iona. Then they went on to St. Mary's, who even though they play in a practice gym, top 40 in Kimpom on both offense and defense. Beat Arkansas, who has, I think, the most NBA prospects of any team. And then Gonzaga and Miami, who both have NBA-level talent on the team and had were in many people's Final Fours. And then just wrapped it up in the championship with just you. You play, like you play who you're given in the bracket. That's just the reality of it. They did not have an easy path. Um, and then I think that they were just criminally underseeded because they had. I've added to my manifesto. Just ignore January now, just because uh, <laughs> college kids go college kids go home for the holidays and then they come back and uh, they might have lost that juice. <laughs> like just because like they they were on an incredible run of where they were just knocking out Alabama and Oregon and Iowa State in the PK eighty and then go on holiday and then Dan Curley got got COVID for a while and was out and like. They played a tough Big East schedule because like, it's one of the best conferences. Uh, and then just because of that, they got the four seed. And I was like, this is a team that I thought was the number one team in the league. Uh, but, uh, yeah, ignore January. How long is your manifesto at this rate? My manifesto. I will put up for you right now. Uh, my college basketball manifesto. By the way, listeners, this is just created so that whenever bracket time does come around, I uh, am do not forget these things. Uh, right now, I'm at 13 rules in the manifesto. Okay, that's not it's not as long as I thought it was. I thought you had at least 20 for some random reason, but well, it's because there there are very very many exceptions that can be made to the, to the manifesto. Sure. To where you need to have these rules that cannot be broken. Sure. Yeah. That, that's that's fair. By the way, random thing I just saw: Caleb Love is going to Michigan. I don't know if you saw that or not. I did but. see. Yeah. Uh, Big day for tournament making teams, am I right? Yeah. Oh wait. <laughs> hey, maybe he'll uh, he'll like playing under Juwan Howard as long as he doesn't uh, make him mad, right? You know. Don't forget Juwan Howard. Uh, I don't know if you know Jalen Wilson from Kansas was at Michigan. Juwan Howard did not want to give him minutes, so take that for what you will, right? Well, that was that was a good way to to end the tournament i thought it was it was not a great final four but i thought that yukon was deserved deservedly the champion um and it was cool to see them play as well as they did and and do what they did and also all the teams that were there the other three like it was just really cool to see a bunch of first timers there it was it was fun good tournament great tournament obviously um but very memorable lots of characters yes uh, Unfortunately, like for the the championship game being a letdown, I, I would just like describe it as like whenever you're growing up and like you have a sleepover with your friend and like he stays over like a couple couple days too long, you're like you're gonna call mom and go home go home now. Like I I love you, but like I, I need some I need some time by myself. <laughs> that, that's kind of how the, the NCAA tournament is every now and then because you like you're you get such an energy high at the very beginning when 16 seeds are winning, uh, and then you're just like uh ready for the next part of the sports calendar. Right. <laughs> right. Shout out Jim Nance too, by the way, man. What a guy! Last Final Four. I know that uh, he's still going to do NFL, and obviously he's doing the Masters this week, which is great. But it will be 
will be a little bit different to not hear him on the call next year. But Ian Eagle's taking over, and I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big Ian Eagle guy. So I'm an Ian Eagle guy, and I don't know. I do you even like college basketball, Jim? Prioritizing other sports ahead of mine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Ian Eagle is a very good like just basketball voice. Like his NBA work is great. His college work is great. He's good on NFL too, but like I think he's much more prime for basketball. So he's got the big game boys for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. I didn't also didn't know he has a a brother, a son, somebody like in his family also calls games for Fox or something like that. I believe Noah Eagles his name. Yeah, I I can't remember if if that's his child or if that's a younger brother of sorts, but. Yeah, he's he's the son. He did okay. The Nickelodeon games is how I just yeah. first came on about this this person. But yeah. I was like, yeah, that kind of <laughs> looks familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds familiar, right? Yeah. So, looking ahead to Phoenix next year, it'll be fun. Hopefully, to be as chaotic, if not more chaotic than this year, right? Um, now, the women's side was interesting. We had a very unexpected championship game. Somewhat unexpected, I would say, since Iowa actually beat South Carolina in the semifinal. LSU, I don't think, was that surprising because I thought they were a better team than Virginia Tech. And then we had Sunday, which was fun. It was very fun. I thought that game was was fun, just entertainment and drama. And I've always noticed this thing about women's title games is that there is always, like, specifically a guard that nobody really knows about, but will just go off in the title game and we'll like win them the title game. And that was, that was Jasmine Carson in the, in that game for LSU with all the threes that she made and, you know, the defense she was playing, but especially her offensive production, because they're not a great three point shooting team. And the fact that she was able to do that with Angel Reese on the bench, I thought was really cool. Um, little inside baseball listener. We're not going to full on discuss, uh, the, uh, you know, the festivities known as the drama of Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and all that stuff, because first of all, everybody else has already talked about it. And second of all, it's been overblown. So we're not going to really mention it at all. Um, But do you have any thoughts on the actual game and, you know, what this means for Kim Mulkey winning her first championship at at another school and, you know, anything else? I I would just say that it's, uh, it's, it's very fascinating that I I feel like there is a pattern that I've seen in in the women's sports where, uh, the most complete team, I believe that kind of gets forgotten about because they don't have necessarily like the face of the tournament has won several times. I was, I was very, very into the, uh, the Sabrina clips whenever she was at Oregon, uh, when she first came on the scene and, I don't believe she won a championship. And so uh, there, there's just the style of play for um, the women's game is so intrinsic upon being, being team oriented and LSU just was the mo- the more complete team. <laughs> and, uh, and it showed and like, they were, they were not traditionally a three point shooting team. I didn't know much about them because uh, the, the coach decides to dress up as science fiction characters and distract <laughs> me from the actual players <laughs> on the team. Uh, so I, I was like, well now, now all of a sudden I, I know about Angel Reese and all these very talented individuals uh, and <laughs> because they were, they were playing on the big stage and they could not miss. And from, from what I understand they they, are not traditionally a shooting team and they could, they could miss and they just showed that they were deeper than Caitlin Clark carrying the entire Iowa team on her shoulders. Yeah. And she had no help. Like a lot of their starters and, and part of that was cause 
they got in foul trouble too. By the way, the refereeing in that game was, oh my goodness, atrocious. It was so bad. Both sides. It was so bad. So, 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 so bad. Um, and you can say that about most college games, but specifically in a championship game, that was, oh boy, that was really bad. Especially the technical foul that Caitlin Clark got. Like, what are we doing? Like, that was not, like, that was nothing. Um, but yeah, they, they played better. They were a slightly deeper team, I felt like, because Iowa had a, a strong starting five, um, but they just weren't making their shots. They were they were pretty three-point dependent. Um, that's how they beat Louisville um, because the role players made threes. That's how they were able to, to squeak by South Carolina because they made big shots, and that just didn't happen. You know, I think they were probably gassed from from the South Carolina game because you know you're playing against Leah Boston and and Don Staley's you know always got a, like a very like tall physical like team you know and so that will you know that will wear you out and I think that's just what caught up to them um, at the end of the day so kudos to LSU we are not I would not say that we are, are Kim Mulkey like stands here because you know she's kind of crazy and she will just randomly say stuff off the rip and. You know, she did not have the best things to say uh, in the middle of the pandemic, but can't deny that she's a really great coach, even though, like you said, she looks like a, like a sci-fi character. Uh, Listen, college sports is uh, a league of characters for sure, and that you are often defined by the coaches, unfortunately, as opposed to the players, because the players can only stay for a certain amount of time, and uh, I am doing my best to give the actual players due diligence on the men's and women's sides for the programs yeah. that like to completely identify with a coach. Definitely not referring to another men's university in Durham, North Carolina, but. <laughs> or multiple other universities, like another one in a, in a New York that has a orange in their, in their color scheme and an orange in their, uh, in their name even. But yeah, we'll see how it goes with the other New York University that is now red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's neither here or there. Oh boy, um, yeah, great game, great women's final four. I'm glad that they got a lot of viewers. That's good for the sport, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if another team wins it, or if LSU wins it, or if we just get the usual UConn figures it out and uh, they're back on top. Because I mean, they haven't won in a while. Um, and part of that is because they can't catch a break with injuries. But I think Paige Becker's coming back next year will be really good for them. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk baseball because we are about a week into the season and it's been fun. I've actually really enjoyed watching games this year. Um, as a as a Rangers fan, I'm like kind of excited. Um, it's it's nice to like actually like you know, see an enjoyable product on the field for my team again, because that has not been the case for a long time um, on both sides and the pitching and the hitting aspect. I, I, I like everything that I'm seeing so far. I think the pitch clock is great. I think the, the slightly bigger bases are great. The little like technical stuff with like, you can only do two like throws out to first base um, that rule, like when somebody's on and the mound visit limit and all that stuff. I, I'm a fan. Tell me what you think about, the MLB season so far. Dennis, I have never been more happy for my sport. I I cannot express how awesome it is to go from having human rain delay pitchers that just adjust uh, 
the the lining on the their belt for 30 seconds and now there's just constant action i do not have the temptation to look down at my phone whenever there's someone out there that is uh just nodding up and down to the catcher trying to get the sign right over and over again for for 30 seconds on end uh and there's constant action and all it has done is trimmed the fat it's it's not necessarily about uh, the length of the game as much as it is the action. Like an NFL and college football game, there's they're like three and a half hours. Like so, the length isn't the problem because they have there, there's a pace that is so consistent. Um, just like so, yes, it is getting shorter, but the pace is what is what's so entertaining. Like the uh, Sandy Alcantara shutting out the Twins in under two hours. That that's just hot. Like I I, I can't express how awesome that is because he's just he's going out there and he's he's dogging it for uh, for nine innings in a row and uh, and like just there's so much content that I want to consume with baseball that now now knowing in my mind I could watch two games within the span of what was one last year is just incredible and that that's my perspective from the couch I know that some people online are complaining about the perspective of it like in the stands and if but if you're one of the people complaining about like time to get concessions or go to the bathroom you just like you just sound like a casual bro like you bring a catheter or like <laughs> time out your concession times and get there and tailgate before the game like but it's just it's so exciting it's and i'm glad that other people are enjoying it too because i want people to enjoy my sport in the summer as well yeah and now that i have this mlb tv subscription i can you know actually watch more games um I, I'm in, man. I, I really am. I've I've enjoyed so much of what I've seen so far. Um, not just obviously from a Rangers perspective, but just like seeing, you know, like you said, the pace and and what other teams are doing and and all that. Um, any any standout teams, players so far? I mean, it's the first week, so like you can't like proclaim like, oh, this team's gonna win it all. You know, like it's a 162 no, no. game season. Well, but like, what is like, what has caught your eye, or who has caught your eye, if anybody has over the last seven days? So, looking at the standings and uh, and the stats right now is absolutely irrelevant. Uh, just just for anyone that that wants to keep track of that, uh, that you should not be doing that this early in the year. Uh, and but I will say to you is that I'm very happy to hear that you have MLB TV because traditionally baseball is such a slog of a sport that many people will only follow their one team because they just do not have the time. But this year, uh, it is not the rule changes and the, the pitch clock that has that has me so excited. It is that I believe genuinely that around 29 of the 30 teams has at least one really, really entertaining person that is must-see TV. And I think that the amount of talent that is young and promising has never been higher just throughout the league. And so that is what is so exciting. And I can tell that all of them genuinely want to want to win at a young age uh, and care about the sport. And that's been what is so much fun as a baseball fan, especially now that the service time manipulation uh, has not been as uh, egregious recently. Lots more teams are calling up their young prospects at an earlier age. Like Jordan Walker is just 20 and the Cardinals have him already starting games and he's just, he's going to be incredible. Um, Individually from a standout perspective, uh, I I think that with the, with the new uh, stolen base, possibilities with the larger bases and the rules i think that ronald acuna jr is going to be a 40 40 candidate 
Like he, mm-hmm. he looks legit. He's back from his injury. I know that he had a, a year last year where he was recovering from his terrible ACL. Uh, and after playing his, uh, his ball in Venezuela uh, for in the World Baseball Classic as well. I think that he's out for revenge and wants to prove that his worth because he was not on that World Series champion team whenever they won. And so uh, there's there's some discourse there where people think that oh, how much does does Ronnie really valuable to, value to the team? And he's he's the man. He's going to hit dingers and he's going to steal as many bags as possible with these new rules. Just all around five tool guy. Um, from a pitching perspective, um, I think that. Uh, I, I really want to see Corbin Burns turn it on for the Brewers because they've got an off to such a hot start, and he was my Cy Young favorite going into the year, uh, and he has not looked himself so far. So they they've been able to do it without him uh, throughout these first couple weeks, uh, and so if he if he gets it going, I think that they they're really going to be a threat in the Central, especially with all this drama going on in St. Louis. Who's the Who's the team that doesn't have a, a young? character or one interesting person if you're saying 29 teams who's team 30 that doesn't have that because i generally don't i would say oakland uh that's also because uh they're a poverty franchise uh but i mean if if you want to say jesus aguilar is at least going to go out there and he'd be like the uh the the, like grandpa of the team that's going to hit a couple couple of bombs into the stands with like 30 to 40 people out there in the outfield at Oakland because the prices are so, so terrible. And they have openly talked about wanting to move the team to Las Vegas, uh, and, and lose and not, not play winning baseball. There's your team, but everyone else, I believe off the top of my head has a prospect. Uh, I know that they, they did sign uh, a Japanese pitching phenom. Um, and he was supposed to kind of be like, well, uh, even though we're not spending money, we we're we're throwing our hat in the ring with this guy. And he just got shelled by, by, by Anaheim in game one. <laughs> uh, man. Hey, Anaheim actually doing okay so far. You know, I'm Don't not, do that. not Don't try- give me hope. I'm not trying I'll, to give you hope. I'm just saying like, you never know. I'll believe it when I see it. Show yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Before he, you know, signs for a billion dollars next year, uh, from, I don't know, the Yankees or somebody, hopefully not the Yankees. Hopefully it's future Baltimore Orioles. Shohei Otani. Gosh, I mean, I, that'd be better than the Yankees. I would say, um, I mean, I haven't really watched a ton outside of like the AL West. I've watched a little bit of the NL East from time to time. Um, the Cardinals being kind of slow to start is, is interesting um, to me. I mean, again, it's not going to matter that much in the long run. I don't think, but it is no. interesting how, they got swept by like a powerhouse Braves team, right? Really. Right. So, you know that's that's something you got to consider. The Padres also coming out a tiny bit slow um, is is funny. The Dodgers again, you know, you know, doing Dodgers things even though they lost a decent amount of guys in the offseason um, is is fun. From a Rangers perspective, like I've really enjoyed having Jacob Degrom on my team. I am such a fan. <laughs> he was incredible for about five innings in the Baltimore game the other day before he let up some runs. But man, when he's on, he's on, and I, I'm I'm a big fan. Evaldi's been he had a good start his first start. He's actually about to pitch here in like 30 minutes. We're playing in Chicago today. Go Cubs, go! Um, also, kind of cool to see Dansby Swanson in the Cubs jersey I, I i think i like that more than i thought i was going to even though i did like him on the braves now dansby i believe i think that he he's going to be the shortstop that plays the chip on his shoulder the most this year because we had this free agency period where every single shortstop is getting paid and i think that he was 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like the, the, the fifth of the five shortstops, I think he got paid the, the least amount. And so, I think so. Th- that, that's why I was like, Dansby is going to be on his revenge tour this year. Uh, and he got married to a very famous Chicago FC soccer player. Uh, and I believe that, uh, who she has been incredible since she got married, by the way, like Mallory yes. has been awesome since they, <laughs> since they made it official. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I there was a little bit of discourse with him saying that this is like the best baseball environment uh, that he's ever played in uh, and being so different from Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta fans were not happy about that. And so uh, they were kind of referring to him as a traitor, but uh, I, I think that Dansby is still going to be a stud. And I don't, I don't think he meant it, it will in, in those comments. I'm, I think he just loves being in that Chicago community with his wife and he's just off the high of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think, he comes off that way at all. I really like him as a person and as a player. I know that in the World Series run, like it was kind of cool to see him like become pretty important after having a really bad regular season and then having a really great year all of last year was super, super fun. Um, he's probably one of my favorite players, to be honest with you. I've always enjoyed watching him play. He is the people's champ. Uh, he is. He had, his name is Lieutenant Dansby on Twitter, I believe. His father's name is Cooter Swanson. And then he had Waffle House catered at his after party for his wedding. So that's incredible. He's, he's a man of the people. He is a man of the people. Speaking of uh, U.S. women's national team, did you see the jerseys for the World Cup that just dropped uh, earlier this week? I would love to buy one, uh, just just uh, because I was I was kind of bummed that our men's World Cup jerseys were a bit of a bummer this year, considering they look like they were made at Academy. Uh, yeah. And it's also kind of funny that the men's team like took the blue jersey and just made that the new away jersey. Like they're keeping the horrible white one, but they're taking the better blue one <laughs> already, which is kind of funny. So I love the I love both of them. I know people are like the blue one is super basic, but like that's Nike for you. And also, it's a World Cup jersey. You're not gonna get like crazy crazy designs like unless you're Nigeria. Nigeria will always do that, but like. Every other country will do something like pretty clean and like nice, you know. So that's just how World Cup jerseys are. You can't have sponsors, you can't have any like marketing on them. So what else can you do, right? There's no Harley Davidson giant ad patch on them either. Right, right. Yeah. You just you just can't can't deal with that. One or a couple more things. Definitely one. I I'm already forgetting the other thing that I was thinking about. But I did want to discuss super quickly. Oh, no, I do remember both of them now. Um, Tell me your thoughts on the NBA CBA. Because that kind of came out of not nowhere, but like, oh, we already agreed on it? Interesting. Tell me your thoughts on on some of those things that are going to happen in the new new season next year. Well, I I think that the... The free agency period is definitely going to be something to watch too. I th- I, what intrigued me the most was that the the Cavs are now going to be able to pay Evan Mobley, uh, which is which is pretty awesome because they already had that one rule. I think with like the two max players with uh, uh, Mitchell and Garland, uh, so that that stood out to me the most. Uh, I I just I'm sorry, I do not care about the in season tournament, and I don't know if the players are going to either. I know uh, it's. The, yes, I, I know you want to create the magic of, of March within your your season and get people to uh, to not uh, just take nights off for no reason. Um, but look, the the rule with the All NBA as well with the uh, amount of games played to me that that just 
that has a stench on it to where there it's it's a wink wink agreement yes you need to play this many amount of games and the superstars are going to come in they're going to play 10 minutes and they're going to take a seat and it's going to count my only thing with that i don't disagree with that like idea like i don't think that's a bad idea at all but i do think 65 is a little too much i think 60 would have been a better number because like 65 is a lot of games for for like a lot of people you know like if you like sprain your ankle and you miss 10 or 12 games like you're kind of close already and then you have like the minor knocks throughout the year so i thought that number was a little bit too high i agree with you about the in-season tournament like what is happening like nobody even knows when it's going to happen or how it's going to work or if it's a part of the regular season or not apparently it is but i don't know how um i don't think the money that they reported like that each player would get if they win like is enough like it's like I don't All, think you know what this is going to do. All this is going to do is they're going to have some sort of like cool looking trophy for it. And then with like those, those NBA Twitter accounts like hoops hyper or, or hoop central or whatever, they're going to have, have graphics of like LeBron, like in season tournament and like have like a, like the little like image of, of the animated ring that he gets for it instead and, and <sighs> just add it to players legacies. And I, we, I, I'm sorry. This Congrats is the thing that takes him over Michael Jordan. He, cause yeah, he had an in-season in-season tournament, tournament rings that, that Jordan would. God, 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 God almighty. I, d- I don't understand. Um, the, the tax aprons, uh, for like luxury tax is like super interesting and also kind of surprised the one and done, uh, rule is still around. I thought they were finally going to get rid of it this time, but apparently not. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. Last thing. So it's April 7th. The NBA season ends in two or three days on Sunday. Um, everybody plays on Sunday. And by the way, listener, you can expect a NBA play-in, play-off preview episode very, very soon uh, in the next few days. Going to record that uh, with Jet. And we're going to talk about everybody, but we will have a very large discussion both on that and hopefully another episode about the Mavericks. Because boy, oh boy... It's over for the most part. Um, as of this recording, the way that they can get in is that they have to win both of their next two games and they have to hope that the Thunder lose to a Grizzlies team on Sunday that is probably going to rest everybody because they're, I think, locked into the two seed. So, good luck, Mavericks. And they already said that they're resting like five guys tonight. Like Kyrie's not playing, Maxie's not playing, Tim's not playing. Fun times. Fun times here in Dallas. Very stable ownership and coaching as well. Yeah. Uh, Mark Cuban, shut your mouth, dude. Did Rick Brunson have a lot to do with Jalen leaving? Sure. But shut up. Nobody cares. You did Did he have several opportunities to pay Jalen? Yes exactly. Or no? Yes, he did. He had multiple. This is not revisionist history, you ding dong. Also... Him and Nico both saying, oh, kid's not the problem. We're delusional. We're delusional in thinking that, guys. Like, they're not responding to him. They are not responding to him at all. Like, figure it out. Get rid of him in the offseason. I mean, it should have been fired a long time ago. Get rid of him in the offseason. Bring in somebody new. You lost a chance to get Quinn Snyder. Now that he's with the Hawks. And fix the roster completely because this is not going to work. The way that this roster is constructed, it is not going to work. 
I have a lot more thoughts coming on that uh, over the next uh, over the next few episodes. But so just be ready. Um, but yeah, that's how the Mavericks can get into the play in the play in after making the conference finals less than a year ago. This is how they can make the play in. So if that's not disaster of a season. I don't know what else can you call it. Like it's a disaster. So any any thoughts on our hometown? professional basketball team um i mean the biggest question is just going to be about luca uh because you you have no idea whether or not uh cuban's commitment to him and saying i want everything to be focused on you because i had the opportunities to to pair dirk up with a superstar and building a, a winning environment around him and i failed outside of 2011 um and i i don't want you to walk away like many of the other superstars are uh and uh do you lure luca in with this sort of instability or is and is luca committed to uh to being that competitive force that he is and i feel like he he would theoretically based off of his desire to uh to win and not come off of as uh as someone who wants the easy way out uh to stay or is he that fiery of a competitor to say i'm I'm sick of this. Uh, I, I I just want to play basketball in a winning environment and leave. Uh, so it's just kind of which bridge is going to collapse first? Collapse first. Yeah, great way to put it. Quick NBA stuff. Uh, Chris Middleton is just went through an MRI apparently, and will probably be out for the rest of the regular season but they're going to have like a week off, so it's fine. Zion is definitely out for the play-in and probably for the start of the playoffs if they get that far, uh, which is kind of hilarious. And yeah, that's it. So we'll see how things go over the next three days with the last three days of the regular season. But man, how quickly things can change in a year. Anything else that I'm forgetting, Jake, before we... NHL talk. You got any hockey thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shout out Seattle, man. I'm, I'm glad the Kraken are in. I mean, it, it was coming, yes. obviously, but I'm, I'm happy that it's official now. The Crack attack, second year in expansion. I know. Kraken crew, baby. Um, obviously excited for the stars. The West is going to be insane. There's not really a clear cut favorite. It's anybody's game. I'm really excited. Um, I'm hoping for a good matchup. We were just talking about getting playoff tickets, uh, just before we hit record. Um, I'm excited. I mean, I still think Boston's the team to beat regardless um, throughout the whole uh, grand scheme of things, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun playoff uh, season, I think. The East is so full of contenders, uh, but at the same time, the story is going to be if this Boston Bruins team that has been so dominant and just looks unbeatable uh, in in winning the champions cup throughout the regular season. Uh, the story is going to be if, is if they are faced up against just a goalie that stands on his head for a tournament and pulls off this incredible upset, if they're going to turn into uh, one of those Tampa Bay lightning teams where they have to put a statement afterwards. And like, we, we sincerely apologize for losing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that tweet they did, but legendary hockey stuff right there. Um, or if they're going to just, it's just their tournament to lose. It's, 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 one route or the other uh, with the, with this postseason, I believe. 
Because, I mean, if they can match up with the, with the Islanders first round, Sorokin is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and that could be that could be a, a potential for an upset and everything would go out the drain, you know? Um, it's going to be really funny to see how things work out just because, like you said, the East is full of contenders. The West, there's no clear-cut favorite. So it's just going to be like a lot of like, I really think, all of these series are going to be pretty long. Like I would be shocked if there's a series that even like gets the five games like at all. Like I really think most if not every series will go six or seven games just because I feel like it's that competitive this year. And especially once we get towards the later rounds, like who's going to be less tired, who's going to be less exhausted from all the buildup going into the Stanley cup final. Basically like, the final, I think a lot of it will be predicated on how healthy are you? How, you know, fatigued are you? How much momentum do you have? All that stuff, which is like super basic, but like, I think now more than ever, like that's a big emphasis, I think in my eyes with how, with how the season has gone. Um, oh, it's, it's just a tournament of goaltending too. Yeah. 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 It's just, and literally like that is the one thing that can make or break a series for a lot of people. I mean, in the Stars context, like Jake Ottinger is the region reason why the Stars almost won that first round playoff series last year because he was unbelievable and he was unbelievable in Game Seven. You know, if he if he's anywhere close to that, like I would expect the Stars to win a series, probably two. We'll see how it goes after that, and if he isn't, then like it it could be done in in the first round. You know, it's it's. That's why hockey playoffs are, are awesome because it can be so, so incredible and so like unpredictable in that way. It's a lot like baseball playoffs, I think, and there's that like unpredictability factor um, to it. Obviously, it's different because baseball is so so different, and every year like things can change with with pitching and and all that. But I it's like, like that adjacent to the chaos of March Madness with the unpredictability, but because they are series, I see why why you're saying that it is much more aligned to baseball where yeah. the upsets and, and the timing of the year matters much more. Whereas NBA, I think that it like the the better teams ultimately do win just because uh, they realize the playoff basketball is totally different at this time of at that time of year. Uh, and just ultimately I think skill and talent wins out. Uh, and hockey playoffs and baseball playoffs it's totally different man yeah absolutely i mean it's why it's hard to win back-to-back stanley cups it's why nobody's won a back-to-back world series in a, in a very long time um even like for the astros like making all the world series that they made in the last few years that's a hard thing to do uh, because baseball is very hard to repeat because baseball is so unpredictable did they cheat along the way for a couple of them? Yes, they did. But that's a whole nother topic of discussion. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I think that's it. Am I, am I right here? I don't got anything. Cool. I just love sports. It's a great time of year. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yes, it is. It is a fun time. This is a, a very cool time of the year with things heating up in, in baseball and hockey and baseball or basketball and hockey and baseball starting and, and the end of soccer season too, like interesting uh, title races and Champions League and all that, um, which you know we talk about quite a bit on this show. Um, but anyway, listener, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the both of us talk about all these things. And uh, if you want to 
follow the show, if you want to rate the show, review the show, you can do that on Spotify, on Apple, if you just search this the show name. I cannot talk today. Again, why do I do a podcast if I can't even talk straight? Be sure to leave a five-star review and rating and all that on all the platforms. Be sure to follow the both of us on on social media. Be sure to uh, get Jake's writings, to look at Jake's writings, to read Jake's writings. Uh, I'll leave a link to that again in the show notes. Be sure to click all the other links in the show notes. Be sure to follow the podcast Instagram at Pod and email the pod DennisFriendsPod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. Like I said, next episode, I believe, will be the NBA play-in slash playoff preview. And then at some point, expect a big uh, Mavs funeral episode and then another EPL talk and uh, some more baseball and some hockey. Lots of stuff hopefully coming up here in the next uh, few days and weeks and month-ish to come. So enjoy your Easter weekend uh, whenever you hear this. And uh, until next time, be good and do good. Sign us out, Jake. Be good. If you can't be good, be careful. Happy Easter weekend, everybody.